Power Project crew, welcome to today's show. This episode is recorded on February 26th, 2020, and it is actually Mark being featured on Carl Lenore's Superhuman Radio. Now, Carl Lenore's been doing Superhuman Radio for over 14 years. Um, it's safe to say that he's the livest one from Bedford-Stuyvesant. Uh, yes, he's from Bed-Stuy, and he's so New York. You guys are going to love his accent. And when I say he's so New York, I mean, literally, the guy is like, uh, he grew up right around the corner from uh, the Mercy Projects, where, of course, uh, you know, Jay-Z and Mike Tyson grew up out of, but they had an awesome podcast. I'm really excited to share this episode with you guys. I'm real grateful and thankful that Carl gave us permission to use this on our platform. Uh, he and Mark talked about Kratom and how um, how Mark uses Kratom as a pre-workout. Uh, naturally, they got into a bunch of uh, carnivore and diet nutrition type of uh, conversations. So all in all, just a really good uh, conversation with an old schooler. And then Mark, you know, like, like I said, I'm just excited to share this with you guys. And real quick, because this isn't a uh, typical episode, we just want to give a huge shout out and thank you to Perfect Keto. You guys know they've been supporting us. So if you guys would like to give us a huge thank you, support those that support us, head over to perfectketo.com slash power25 at checkout. Enter promo code POWERPROJECT for 25% off plus free shipping on any orders of $99 or more. And at the time of this recording, we are still offering 20% off any slingshot and hip circle combo over at markbellslingshot.com. Add any slingshot of your choice, any hip circle of your choice, and you'll receive 20% off at checkout and markbell.com is still offering a free 30-day trial to the entire website. Again, that's just where Mark posts his workouts every single day. Um, he coaches you. There's all kinds of information on there. Please take advantage of that. Again, that's at markbell.com. Register and you'll gain access to the entire website for free for 30 days. If you guys like this interview, please, you know, please find more on Carl Lenore Superhuman Radio. All links will be down in the um, podcast show notes. So please follow up with him. And ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy this show with Mark on Superhuman Radio hosted by Carl Lenore. Welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. Today is February 26, 2020. For those of you listening to the show 100 years from now and you realize this audience really knew what they were talking about. I got to bring my guest on because he's, uh, he's, he's posing in the background there. Mark Bell. How you doing, Mark? There you go. I'm there doing fantastic. Hey, shouldn't you be dead by now? Like, didn't you have like heart issues years oh, ago and dude. stuff? But I mean, how are you still, how are you still standing over there? Mark, I am so broken up, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I'm not kidding, you know? I mean, I, and I still want to go in and I, want, I still want to train like I used to, and I have to, I have to remember that I'm not, my body is just not able to, to do it anymore. And, but I mean, I, you know, I've, I've got the three torn attachments in my left hamstring, one in the right, reattached tricep, uh, reconstructed left foot from dropping a plate on it, two surgeries mm. in one year on my left foot. Uh, my left foot wow. is actually an inch shorter than it used to be. <laughs> it looks like I have one club foot and one regular oh. foot. I mean, I, I'm so broken up, but it's, wow. you know, I just, I, I, I'm still alive. That's all I care about right now, you know? So Are, are most of those injuries, like, more recent or are they older? No, nah, they, they all occurred over time. You know what I mean? Um, I think I, I tore my hamstring first. Tra- I was, I was uh, warming up for a deadlift, and I just didn't feel right, and I should have just stopped. I tore my tricep. Um, in a, uh, obviously doing a bench press the wrong way. Um, right. my, I, oh, I tore my bicep doing heavy rows and I finished the whole workout. The funny thing about all this is the day I dropped the plate on my foot, I finished my leg workout. It was the first thing I did was, was smash my foot and I had five fingers uh-huh. on and the blood was oozing out of the top of the five fingers. I was like, if I take them off, I'm not going to be able to put them back on. I might as well just finish the workout. So. Yeah, I dropped 605 pounds on my foot uh, trying to do ultra-wide sumo deadlifts uh, per- prescribed by Louis Simmons. <laughs> and uh, I tried to uh, finish the workout, but it wasn't going very well because, like, blood was squirting out of the top of my foot. So it's yeah. <laughs> kind of same deal. So, and, and this is why I was really interested in this topic. So I posted something on Facebook the other day. I was like, uh, anybody use a Kratom, Kratom, however you want to pronounce it, as a pre-workout? Because I've got lots of of injuries. And I, that means I train with a lot of pain. And I took Kratom one day and went to the gym and I had an amazing workout. And so of course I text you, I was like, do you ever use it as a pre-workout? And you're like all the time. Okay. We got to talk about this. Right. You know, I want to kind of first start off by, you know, saying that like anytime that you're in a good mood, you know, like, just just the day is going really well. Let's say you have a bum shoulder and a and a messed up elbow and stuff, but like for whatever reason, 
just on a particular day, you're just feeling great. Like everything went really well. Maybe you got a good phone call in the morning. Everything just kind of started your way. Um, you had your, you went, you were able to spend time at your favorite coffee shop for a few minutes. And when you got in your car and headed to the gym, all your favorite songs played somehow yeah. on the radio. I don't know what the hell's going on? But like the universe is like in your favor for the day. And man, what an amazing workout you have that day when you're just feeling that good all the time, like that. And I think that something like Kratom or any drug, really, I think any drug is going to take you uh, from where you currently are and it can take you to a spot that you wouldn't otherwise normally be able to access or get to uh, much the way that steroids uh, would or mushrooms or any of these kinds of things. So I think Kratom, I think, is a, is a nice gateway into just feeling good and being like kind of thrown into a good mood whether you want to be grumpy or not and so for me it kind of takes a little bit of that edge off and i don't need a lot of kratom i i've messed around with a lot of different dosages and i've noticed that you know i i've taken up to like 20 capsules at a time you know i don't know how, many grams, how many grams how many grams would that be you don't know oh, oh, 750, yeah 750 milligrams per capsule so you know times you know 750 yeah, times 20 you know, grams per, you didn't get nauseous with that yeah, high of a dose <laughs> I have a cast iron stomach. So okay. no, I was okay, but uh yeah, I was really high, but you know, it didn't it didn't deliver, you know, what I was looking for. I played around with the different dosages as you do with uh some experimentation and I I only need like two or three capsules to feel really really good. And we make an extract as well. My product is called Mind Bullet. And the reason why it's called Mind Bullet is because I feel like it it's kind of like sending your mind off to the moon like it, it it feels so good as if as i was mentioning earlier it's almost as if your favorite song is playing uh you know when you're getting the benefit of uh taking kratom so i use it before i work out take some of the bumps and bruises off and when i get to the gym and i start my workout i just i don't even really warm up anymore i mean i'll, I'll take some precaution i'll start out with lighter weights but i'm not foam rolling and dicking around doing a bunch of other stuff i get right to it right so uh, the Kratom is, is very, very misunderstood today. In fact, when I posted that thing on Facebook asking if anybody used it for pre-workout, I had people private message me uh, and say, be careful, it comes from the same plant as heroin. <laughs> you know, that's not true. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, the Kratom plant is actually the same genus as the coffee plant. So, I mean, we know that it's not an opioid. Uh, while it does some, have some interaction with the opioid receptor, people have a hard time understanding this phenomenon. And I'm going to put it in terms that most people will understand. Um, just because something interacts with a receptor doesn't mean that it's that particular molecule. Case in point mm. is alcohol. Alcohol, it, it, it actually intoxifies the GABA receptor, but it's not GABA. So... Right. Kratom somehow stimulates the opioid receptor, but it's not an opioid. And so it doesn't make you tired. If you take an opioid and go to the gym, you're not going to want to do anything. You want to go to sleep. But when you take Kratom, you actually feel your mood elevate. You feel like everything is good. And, you know, I mean, I grew up in the 60s. I, I was a big, 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 big drug abuser. And I always liked mm. uh, speed. I always liked uh, amphetamines. I always liked cocaine. I like drugs that brought you up. I had all my friends, they wanted to do quaaludes and two-and-alls and, and sit around and drool on themselves. Like, that. that's not fun. So I always appreciated things that raise your mood, like you're saying. It literally raises your mood and makes you feel so good. And, of course, you're going to have a great workout then. And, and I don't know what it is about Kratom in particular, but uh, it makes you, like, empathetic and it gives you compassion. Uh, it's almost like you got a bunch of hugs from somebody and all of a sudden you're kind of just, it feels like a warm blanket's been put over you. And then you're just, you, you find yourself texting people, telling you, telling them how thankful you are for them. And you find yourself just super happy. And like, even something like, um, even something like going through the airport, you know, when you travel, sometimes it's a little stressful and, and you notice like everyone's wearing it on their face. They just need to get to this place and they, they have a madder look on their face than the people at the DMV. I don't know what the hell's going on when you're traveling, but people are like very determined to get to their destination, you know? And when I travel, I'll take a little bit of Kratom before I go and I'm smiling at people. And I think people think I'm a fucking ax murderer or something because they're looking at me like I got two heads, but I'm just in a really good mood and feeling really good. And I'm, 
I'm not really like quote unquote worried about where I'm going. I know I'm going to get there whenever the, you know, whenever the plane gets me there. And that and people are stressed out because travel is stressful nowadays. I remember traveling before nine <laughs> eleven and now, and I don't want to travel anymore because it just kind of sucks. The coronavirus and everything uh, else. Yeah, I'm not even worried about the coronavirus. I, and maybe I'm too stupid. Uh, it's very possible. <laughs> maybe I'm too stupid to well, worry about. Really giving, they're not giving much information on like who it's killing and stuff. I think it's younger kids and older older people that are sick already. Right? Yeah. And, 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 you know, I don't, even, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because then people are going to light up and think like I'm, I'm some jerk. But the reality is it's always <laughs> suspicious to me. Uh, Ebola. Remember the Ebola crisis? Everybody's going to die of Ebola. And then as soon as they gave over that $4 billion to the uh, pharmaceutical companies, literally, the next day, they stopped talking about Ebola. Now, did the money yeah. actually cure Ebola or did they get what they wanted? And they were like, OK, we don't have to scare the crap out of people anymore. So I, I'm, you know, <laughs> right, I, I always it's a little it's a little sketchy with the, the relationship between the pharmaceutical industry and the government. But, I think you and I should do a separate podcast on how to develop zero followers, like how to get rid, <laughs> like anybody who's listening, to me, like how to make this them all it. hate us and go away. Like, this is it. We'll religion, religion, politics. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah religion, Trump, all that stuff, just watch all of our likes and uh, <laughs> views go, away, go in the toilet. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, so, so I didn't. I'm going to be honest with everybody listening to the show. I didn't know you had your own crowd. And when I did this, I just knew that you and your brother. You know, your brother has been um, a strong proponent of supporting the, the Kratom industry. He, I, I believe, he absolutely. did a he did a, a, a documentary about it. And, yep. and so I knew you knew about it. I didn't know you had a brand. When did that come out? Uh, I've had the brand for. A little, a little over a year, and um, it's just something like I've been taking it for like the last maybe about two and a half, three years. My brother kept telling me about it, and when my brother was telling me about it, I was like, I'm not really in the same amount of pain that he's in. Like I'm in like what I would call like self-induced pain. You know, right. I'm in my own my own personal hell because I put myself there because of the style of training that I do. And usually if I let off a training a little bit, which I'm not smart enough to ever do, if I let off a training a little bit, I usually feel a little bit better. Um, but yeah, one day I think I tweaked my back and I was like, Hey, let me just, let me just give it a try and let me see what it's like. And it just reminded me of like going in a hot tub. Like it didn't, it didn't solve everything for me, but it gave me temporary relief. And the temporary relief was while I was at the gym. And I was like, this is amazing. Like I feel, I feel warm. I feel loose. I feel like I can get through the workout without any problem. And, uh, you know, there I was, you know, staying in the gym for even like a longer period of time than normal. And so I was excited by that. And I was like, man, this is an amazing product. And as I started taking it more often, uh, I started to like, you know, really wonder about the, um, the safety of the product. You know, I wanted to know like, Hey, like, what's this going to do? Is this going to cause any uh, respiratory depression, uh, like opioids can do? And is this going to cause, you know, the heart to flutter and, and these kinds of things. And so even more so than like researching it, because I'm not much of a researcher and I'm not much of a, I don't even, I just don't even really like science to be totally honest with you for multitude of reasons. But uh, anyway, I, you know, did some brief research on it, looked into it a bunch. We had a meta analysis done of it, which is, as your viewers already know, it's just a study of studies, but we wanted to take precaution and make sure that uh, there was, there was no stone unturned and make sure that we felt that this is a product uh, that other people can enjoy as well as just me. And so, but a lot of it was just me taking it and passing along to friends and saying, Hey, try this, see if you like it. I had some people that took it and they're like, Hey man, like that made me nauseous. And I was like, well, I guess it's just not for you. Like I don't, you know, it's not going to work perfectly in each person, maybe similar to like CBD or some, or some people with like tea or coffee or whatever it might be. Uh, but this thing vibed really well with me and a lot of the people around me. And so uh, we went off to the races. I was like, let's, you know, let's get this thing to market. And it's not even something that we talk about that much. Why you didn't know that we have it because I'm not like outwardly and aggressively trying to push it on anybody. I'm like, Hey, look, this, we have this, we have a product called mind bullet and you can get it at mindbullet.com If you'd like to check it out, you can investigate it on your own. We have sample packs that you can try just like give it a try. And if you don't like it, you don't like it, then uh, that, that's just fine. But I think most people will really enjoy it. Roger Padgett apparently loves it. He, he said that he's, it's a great product. He said he found it affected his liver enzymes and TSH levels. I'm assuming he means uh, 
positively because he said it's a great product. Uh, I find it's a pretty strong diuretic too. Like if you're cutting, if you're like a bodybuilder, you know when you're when you're when you're dieting, you're miserable. Uh, and if you're also trying to drop water, I got to believe that kratom. I don't understand why every bodybuilder doesn't use kratom those 16 weeks out when they start to really get into a cut phase because it'll it'll dry you out, but it'll make you feel good. It makes you feel good, and on top of that, I don't know if you've noticed this impact of it, but it can help fasting as well i mean i can't i don't have a correlation study to like to whip out or anything on that but that's what a a lot of like i've noticed that personally and then other people have come to me i've had friends come to me and they're like dude i'm trying to gain weight like but i can't on kratom i can't really uh you know i can't really attack food the way that i normally do and i'm like yeah man unfortunately you probably got to cut back on the kratom or ditch the kratom if you're trying to gain size because it it might uh have an effect on your appetite but I think that could be a huge positive for a lot of us who are former fat boys, uh, a lot of us that, that really love to get after food. So for myself, for intermittent fasting, it's helped a lot. Yeah, it, it, because it makes you feel good. It actually delivers all of the uh, – what was that herb that they were selling back in the day that the Bush guys used to chew on and it made them lose all this weight and then it came on the market and now it's not around anymore? You Remember what I'm talking about? The um, I can't think of it, but it, you're right. Kratom actually does – like to just kill your appetite. You don't feel like eating. Uh, and, and I found that out one night when I took it before going out to dinner and I was sitting there and I was like, I ordered a steak and I just didn't feel like eating it. And I took it home. I was like, <laughs> okay, note to self, don't take Kratom before you go out to dinner. You know, that, that's right. And I, I just, I wonder if that, I wonder if that's just because of the like mood alteration, like you're satisfied, you feel pretty much all good. You're like, I'm, I'm set. You know, a lot of these things that, that seem to destroy your appetite actually trigger a hormone in the gut called cholecystokinin, and it's produced in the stomach in the response to stomach stretching. And so, like pine, uh, a pine nut oil was real popular back in the day for this. Uh, th- there's a couple different uh, plant-based products that seem to just shut down uh, hunger. They all seem to upregulate this cholecystokinin. I wouldn't be surprised if kratom. Uh, does that as well. Mm. So Mike Davies is saying, is it available in the U.S.? Yeah, it's at it's at mindbullet.com, you said, right? That's yeah. right, yeah. And there's uh, some states and some cities even where it's banned. So like uh, San Diego, it's banned. But our website tells you all that. We have all the information. That is so stupid. You could buy weed in San Diego, but you can't buy Kratom, right? I know. I, you know, I don't know why these things are, are the way they are, but you know, it's very unfortunate because I think it's a product that can help a lot of people. And that's what my brother's film, Leaf of Faith, uh, was all about. You guys can check that out. I believe it's on – if it's not on Netflix and it's available in, in other streaming uh, areas that you can check it out. But he did a great job with that film, and it shows you the pros and the cons. And um, I also want to tell people a little bit about the cons. You know, number one is it can really give you some pretty bad, like, cotton mouth. Like, it can really dry your mouth out. Yeah. You know, as side effects go, like how bad of a side effect is that? Like, to me, it's tolerable, not a huge deal. Um, as I mentioning earlier, you might not want to eat, which might not be a desired result for you. But I do think it can be addictive. So I, I want to kind of, I want to be upfront with people about that. But I think that coffee is very addictive. And then we kind of lose control with that. But I do have friends that have gone too far with Kratom. And what I mean by that is they're kind of like, quote unquote, strung out on it all day. And that's not the way that I utilize it. And I haven't, I haven't felt like I was going to fall into that trap either. And I think from a health perspective, I don't know what the implications or the or, or rather ramifications of that would be. Um, but I don't think it's a great way to go around where you have to constantly alter your mind all day long. I, I don't think that's a good idea with any uh, drug or supplement for that matter. So that would be the one thing is I would say, look, you know, if you're going to do it, try to do it in a responsible way. Try not to always lean on it. Try not to always rely on it. And I suggest the same thing uh, when I help people with diets. I said, look, don't lean too hard on coffee. I'll even tell people, look, don't even lean too hard on any one particular diet. Why not switch things up yes. a tiny bit here and there and get some different benefits from different diets? And that actually honors our evolutionary journey because our diet has always been phasic for millions of years. It, we, it was only, excuse me, 40,000 years ago where we started growing crops and, and, and raising animals, where we had predictability, like, okay, we're going to have grain every single day now. Uh, before, right. that, before that, we went, 
long periods in the winter where there were no plants to eat. So we sustained life on animal products. And there were times where we couldn't catch an animal, but it was nice weather. And we found a watermelon patch and we ate that. But the one thing that's true is we didn't combine foods. We, we, for millions of years, if we mm. killed a buffalo, we ate that buffalo until there was no more buffalo to eat. And then we went on and found something else. And it's, I really, I've done, I've done shows about this. I wonder what, excuse me, I'm wheezing, the effects of uh, uh, combining foods have with gut function. Because when you put beef and, and we'll talk about uh, the carnivore diet uh, when we come out of the break, because I know that you're really into that right now. But when you put beef and broccoli in your stomach at the same time, they both digest at different rates. They both require different enzymes to break down. I am, I'm a huge proponent of eating, like I'll eat a pound of salmon. I'll sit down and I'll just eat the salmon and I'm done. But at the same time, I'll eat a salad. But I'm not going to put a piece of chicken in with the salad. I'm just going to eat right. the salad. And I, I really think we're going to come to find in years from now that there's a lot of magic in eating a single food at a time as far as the stress it puts on our digestive system. I like that a lot. It actually makes a lot of sense, and it would be harder to eat more food. And I, I think what you're referring to is uh, kind of like, almost like a Jewish diet, right? Being having to be kosher, you know, having a, a just a single single food on one plate, right? Yeah, no, no, it's very good. Um, <clears throat> Roger Pad- Padgett also said everything is addictive, and he's right about that. I-, I have given up coffee in the past 14 years. I've been doing this show. The audience knows, like, I'm off caffeine. I'm not doing it anymore, and then I go back. I did take Kratom for four days in a row as an experiment. What I did notice was the same dose I was taking did not elicit the same effect. So then I would probably need to up my dose or just take off more frequently. And I think that may be where people go down the rabbit hole. It's like, okay, I'm using two grams. It's working. Now it's not working. I use three. That's not working. Now I use four. And now all of a sudden they're screwed. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I would advise too to just you know just try to take three, four, five days off of it. I think it clears the system pretty good if you if you can get away from it for about five days. So that's what I usually recommend, and I do that. I do that quite often, and I, I don't I don't feel bad from it. Um, with coffee, uh, coffee was a little harder for me to get off of. Um, it took me well, it only took like two or three days, but those two or three days were were pretty bad. Like I had pretty bad headaches on and off. And I was like, man, am, is, am I ever going to get any better? But four or five days later, it started to dissipate. And then I started uh, implementing tea here and there. And that seemed to help, obviously, because there's some caffeine in there. And maybe it's just uh, the act of, like, sipping on something hot, too, that's, you know, kind of uh, rekindling your love for coffee. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's, it's more ritualistic. So when you got off coffee, did you notice any changes in your digestion or your gut function? Absolutely. I think it got a lot better. Because I think coffee, you know, I I tend to, so I kind of have a theory and people get very pissed at me when I say this, but I don't think anybody likes black coffee. I know that some people are like, I like black coffee. I love black coffee. But it really doesn't, it just doesn't taste that good in my opinion. So for me personally, um, I would drink black coffee because I like the effect of it. I don't like the taste of it. So it was a little easier for me to give up. But I also think that, for people that put stuff in their coffee, I think that could be wreaking havoc on your digestive system. I don't even know how much sense that makes to put something like milk. You know, you put milk in, in boiling hot water that has coffee in it. I don't, I don't think that's probably a very good practice. You're probably killing everything in there uh, that the milk uh, had that might have been well-intended for you, you know? Well, I, so I have been looking at obstructive sleep apnea, neuropathy, uh, GERD, uh, and and the number of people in our population today who suffer from these three conditions, they also have distended stomachs, and but they're they're all from different walks of life. You know, trainers like uh, guys who train hard, we eat a certain way. Average women, you know, I, I, I just had this conversation with a good friend of mine, Dr. Paul Constanti, this morning. I keep coming back to the common denominator that everybody does that has these issues, all different lifestyles, is friggin' coffee. And so I've yeah. been thinking about this. Like, the coffee your mother and father and my mother and father drank was different. It was four ounces. You could see through it. It was clear. It was like rusty water. That's what it looked like. 
today, coffee is like a liqueur. It's got so much. It's got so much particulate matter floating around in there. It's like a, a suspension. And I have to believe that that irritates the lining of the stomach. And especially when you think about this, ninety percent of the population drinks coffee when first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. Right. And they're putting that crap, and it has to wear down the the mucosal barrier, the cilia, and open up the stomach because I can't find a single thing that everybody is doing, regardless of lifestyle. And they all have these problems that I just they, these these three problems are plaguing our population today. Think about the first thing in the morning that you grind up some beans, right? And then you just pour it over some water and drink it. Like your stomach would fucking hurt really bad, right? I mean, I know, but <laughs> well, but but but, really but, but we're also but we all need that. Like I just gave up coffee again. Yes, everybody's like, oh, okay, great, Carl. Six months right. Yeah, they they laugh at me all the time. I get emails every time I talk about. It. It's like, why don't you just give up? But I know that when I give up coffee, my stomach feels so much better. It's just amazing. So <laughs> that's my thing. Uh, one one more question. We're going to take a break. Is there really a difference between red vein and green vein and all these different strains of kratom? Or are they all pretty much the same? What do you think? Yeah, as far as I know, they're all the same. They're just marketed differently. I know that people are right now they're, that are fans of kratom. They're probably like, oh, I can't believe he said that. But uh, <laughs> most of the top level people that I talk to, they're like, hey, it's kind of BS. There's not really a ton of different a ton of difference. I guess there are differences in the way that they treat the leaf. Uh, once they get a hold of it, and so there could be more variations in that uh, than anything else. But yeah, as far as as far as my knowledge goes, uh, they're all pretty much the same, which is kind of funny because they're selling some for sleep, some for getting yeah. you hyped up, and some for this and that. And uh, I haven't seen any real difference in them. Yeah, they all do the same thing. All right, let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, let's talk about the carnivore diet. I know you're big into it right now. Okay, stay tuned. Yep. We're talking with Mark Bell. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're talking with Mark Bell. His website is up on uh, the screen here, mindbullet.com. I just visited the site. Very, very extremely reasonable prices. I love the logo, the brain riding the bullet. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. That's really yeah, I'll have to get you some product. Yeah, I, I, would, I mean, I'll use it. Uh, I'm, I'm really um, enjoying training with it. I'm not training all the time with it, but the days that I do train with it, I definitely notice that I get a much better workout. So, take that and send Diana Ball, and you're all set. <laughs> I, I used to love D Ball, man. I was just, I just, po- I was just talking about a stack that I used to use back when I was younger, and uh, I read it after I typed it, and I thought, no wonder why I'm so effed up. <laughs> you know, it's like, right? You know, how, how you know, and you know, between the drugs I did when I was a kid, and and, and the God's honest truth is, the thing that attracted to me this to strength sports was the acceptance of, of the drugs. So I, I told somebody once, you know, I've got an addictive personality. The drugs changed. That's all that happened. But I, I'm still mm. that same guy. But now I'm, you know, now I'm, I'm shooting Test and Decca and Trend and all that sort of stuff instead. So, But, you know, it is what it's it is. funny because the, the old school magazines would even have it in there. It would even say, like, you know, I ate chicken breast and a potato and then it'd say what they did for lunch. And then before the workout, it would say like Deca and Diana Ball. And you're yeah. like, wait, what's what's this that's in here? What, what does that mean? What grocery? You get that at Ralph's. You get that at Ralph, yeah. Alpha Beta. You get that at Alpha Beta. So, right. uh, so you came on. Last time you were on the show, you had just released your book, War on Carbs. And obviously, rightfully so. I mean, carbohydrate consumption is probably the, the reason for a lot of the uh, uh, diseases related to nutrition today. And then you 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 adapted, and now you're you're doing carnivore. Talk about it. I got to give a shout out to our boy Ron Penna because Ron Penna said that he thinks the War on Carbs is the greatest book ever written on the ketogenic diet. Which I'll take any compliment from Ron Penna because that guy is a beast, the, one of the original founders of Quest Nutrition. Um, you know, so I switched over to you know eating a more carnivorous style diet. Um, a few years ago, based off of uh, some of the promotion from Dr. Sean Baker, and again, based off of my brother. My brother my brother's the one who's like always chirping in my ear about like this new thing. Like I don't really follow a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll come around and he'll be like, hey, you got to check out this thing. And I always think it's a dumb idea until it's like, quote, unquote, my own idea, right? Right. That's the way, that's the way we got to work as brothers, right? Um, but, yeah, my brother kept talking about it. And I was like, well, what's really the difference between keto and carnivore? But as I was doing the keto diet, as the results started to kind of slow down and as I started to, 
get into stuff that is kind of off base in terms of like being on a nutrition plan, you know, like you, you end up going down the same rabbit hole on a lot of different nutrition plans on a lot of different diets that you would go through if you're your average ordinary American on the standard American diet, because you start doing what you mentioned earlier, you start combining foods together and they're delicious together. And then you can eat more of them and then you continue to gain weight or you continue to struggle to continue to make progress. And so on a ketogenic diet, in my opinion, one of the differences between a keto diet is you have a little bit more freedom in terms of what you can eat. Obviously there's the vegetables and there's some berries and there's some, uh, you know, there's once you get fat adapted and things like that, you can have some carbohydrate, but really, you know, what I took it was is to have carte blanche over eating any and everything that just didn't have an impact on my insulin levels, which I don't even really know because the amount of food I would eat sometimes probably negatively impact my insulin levels anyway, right. even without a lot of carbohydrates. And plus there's these like non-impact carbs. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't know if anybody really knows when you start consuming large amounts of sugar, alcohols and those kinds of things, like it's just not good for you. It makes you gassy, makes you bloated over a period of time if you have too much of them. So I was, I was sneaking stuff, you know, I was, I was lying to myself. I was sneaking foods. I was in great shape still. But I wasn't making the progress that I wanted. And I was like, you know what? This carnivore challenge from Dr. Baker, it, it sounds like the perfect thing because it's going to be so strict. All I'm going to eat is meat and eggs. I'm basically going to be on like a kind of old school Vince Gerunda Vince steak Gerunda. and egg diet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. And uh, so that's what I did. I, the, when I fir- the first go of it, I was like, well, I can do that. I think I can do steak and eggs and throw in some bacon here and there and I'd have some salmon and some fish here and there as well. And I started committing to it. And within like three or four days, like just started to lose some bloat, started to feel a little bit better. Um, I also screwed up too because even though I give this advice all the time, I tell people all the time, look, any diet that you're going to try, any diet that you're going to try, please, please, please promise me that you'll take the first two weeks to get used to the food and that you won't be on a quote-unquote diet. You're not going to like plummet the amount of food that you eat down to the ground as you try not eating carbohydrates for the first time in your life. You're going to feel awful. So I did a little bit of that too after the first couple of days. And then I started kind of feeling like crap. And I'm like, oh, the diet's not working. But then I started paying attention. I'm like, no, idiot. Like you're fasting too long. Like you're not paying attention. Let's rev the food back up. And I had some conversations with Sean Baker. And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I don't fast at all. I just end up eating like three times a day and I end up with like a midday fast due to how satisfying the foods are and due to how I feel. I feel like I don't need to really eat more than two, three, or maybe four times at the most in a given day, even with the amount of energy I'm putting out. And so I started kind of playing around with that and that started making me feel awesome. And I've been messing around with the diet, you know, ever since. But I also would like to point out the fact that since I was probably about 15 or so, I've been on what I would consider like a meat-based diet anyway. So not not a carnivore diet, not a keto diet, um, but there's been meat on my plate right. for nearly every meal for the last almost, you know, 20-some-odd tw- years right. because that's just the way we eat as strength athletes. And even as a power lifter, you know, when I would eat like junk, when I have pizza and those kinds of things, most of the day was still filled with, uh, meat and complex carbohydrates. And I might finish the day off with some ice cream or pizza because the extra calories were going to put extra uh, body weight on me. But more recently, I've been loving the carnivore diet and I have a vlog that I'm posting every single day. You, you guys can check it out. It's uh, Mark Smelly Bell on YouTube. The, the YouTube channel is pretty new because some of my old school power lifters got frustrated with me talking about like running and me talking about, uh, and me talking about, you know, just eating meat, not eating carbs and stuff. Yeah, they got really, they got really upset. So I started my own another 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 YouTube channel, and that's been really successful. And we've been having a good time with it. But I'm posting every single day. The videos are filmed by me. The videos are edited by me, and and I feel I feel proud of being able to do that. I've been doing that for the last. I think we're on, we were on day uh, 56 is uh, is today. So. That's been a lot of fun and, and just trying to share out information. I, I've been everywhere. I've, I've traveled um, all over uh, in, in the last 56 days, my normal travel schedule, my normal work schedule. People are seeing me with my kids. They're seeing me on date night with my wife. They're seeing me at a 49ers playoff game. 
Uh, they're seeing me, uh, you know, traveling to Los Angeles with my team to get content. They're seeing me in all these different spots. And, and the one thing that's remaining the same is my fitness and my diet. So I'm trying to show people like, look, yeah, I know that I'm a fitness personality and stuff like that, but, but it's not just me. There's other people that are sharing the same, uh, same message that are kind of following along that are following along in the comment section and saying, yeah, man, I'm on board. I'm doing this too. You know, I have, I have a job. I have a wife. I have kids. I have other commitments. I have a budget. And, um, it's just been fantastic to just show people, look, man, this does not take a special genetic requirement to do this. This is the simplest diet that you're ever going to hear anybody talk about. And I consider this diet to be like the elevator pitch diet. Someone's like, hey, man, you're in great shape. What do you do? And I can say, hey, you know, cut out all your carbs. And right as they're walking out of the elevator and only eat me yeah, right. <laughs> as, as the elevator door closes. And they're like, what? But you know, but you know, and- somebody on Instagram is posting a, a, a sponsored ad right now for an app to do carnivore. You know, <laughs> nothing frustrated me more when I saw the fasting app. I was like, "Are you effing kidding me? It's the easy, you just don't eat. You don't have to eat. Like, oh, how do I fast? Just don't eat. Stop eating at six p.m. Don't eat till sixteen hours later, around ten o'clock in the morning. It's like you need an app to teach you how to fast. Really? Yeah. And I- I even mentioned to somebody the other day, I was like, well, I don't really like to count how long the fast lasts because that's like too complicated. But what I do is I count a- approximately how long the eating window will be. And that's a lot less math. Four hours or five hours is a lot different than trying to figure out 16, 17. You're like, oh, I don't really remember. And also, it doesn't really matter. What matters is what I want people to understand, people that listen to this show, hopefully they're getting the message from you, is – And I love that you dive in so deep on so many different things, but you understand the core principle of it all is we don't need to be fancy. We just need to be consistent. Right. And for yourself, if you never got into drugs and if you didn't eat fried food, if you didn't snack, um, if you you didn't, uh, you know, if, if you made sure you were sleeping properly and some of these things, if we did that from the time we were kids, if we knew some of this shit from the time we were kids, uh, and we didn't overeat like sugar, then we wouldn't have to really be on a diet right. at all. Probably we'd right. probably be, you know, probably be pretty dark. I mean, how many people are, how many people are your age that don't really pay that much attention to it, but they're not addicted to food. They do some exercise here and there, they do some yard work and stuff. And they're pro- they probably feel pretty good and they don't know even what the hell to do. Right. I realize that the most of the United States is really jacked up and they got diabetes and stuff. But for those people that aren't addicted to food and haven't been insulting what their metabolism is designed to do every single day, they're pretty darn healthy. Yeah. And, and so, something else that I don't want to gloss over. When you said something about consistency. When I look at people that live 90, 100, even 120, they they some of them smoke. Some of them drink alcohol. Uh, some of them eat fried food. Some of them had ice cream before bed. They do. Some of them, they, a lot of them do things that you and I would go, no, that's taboo. But here's what you figure out. They do that every single day, and they've done it that way every single day of their lives for the past 70 years. There's a lot to be said for consistency. The body loves consistency. The body doesn't want to have to guess. The body likes if you have a cigar at 4 o'clock every day, have a cigar at 4. Look, look at, I met him, George Burns, when I lived in Las Vegas. The guy had martinis and cigars throughout the afternoon. He did it every day. Now, people say, well, he's an outlier. Yeah, he was an outlier. But he got up the same time every morning. He had the same breakfast every morning. He went to sleep the same time every night. He did the same things every single day, day in and day out. And when you get to talk to centenarians, you find out that they have regimented lives that they have adhered to for the past 40 years. If they have a beer, they have that one beer in the afternoon. There's a lot to be said for that in as far as what the body likes and what makes the body thrive. Uh, absolutely. hundred percent. You know, my grandfather, uh, he lived a very full, you know, he lived to about 84. He did have a heart attack and he, he did uh, do some things later on. What, what happened with him? And, and I think this is an interesting thing. I see the same thing happening with children is, um, one, like once the once your lifestyle starts to change, then your food has to change. And so you might see like kids. You hear you hear people say this a lot about their children. They're like my kid will never be fat, and it's like, well, your kid's five. 
And at five years old, uh, a lot of their brain is not fully developed, and they still think they can. They still think a, a broomstick is a horse, and they can like ride around the <laughs> living room, right? And they have a lot of energy. You ever take a five year old on a walk? Like they go crazy, and they keep asking you, "Where are you going?" You're like, "I don't know. I'm just going on a walk." Like, you know, they they want to know like, "Are we going for ice cream?" Like, "Where are we going?" They're jumping up and down off the curb. They're jumping over the fire hydrant. They're doing all kinds of stuff. But when you're seven. Or when you're nine, probably around the time you're 10, you'll stop moving as much. And then there has to be kind of a change. That's where you see kids really start to, to rapidly gain weight unless they're in a sport or unless they're in some sort of organized thing where they're getting a lot of movement in. And we see a similar thing happen with elderly people. My grandfather, he didn't start having any problems until he started having arthritis in his hands. And he, he worked with his hands his entire life. That was his passion. He was a mechanic. He worked on cars and things like that, and he, he that, that's what he did. He, he sold used cars. And as soon as that was taken away from him, that's when we saw his stomach start to grow out a little bit. But like he, he Before that time, my point is, before that time, he didn't have healthy, what we would consider to be healthy habits at all, really. Um, you know, he'd eat hamburgers and throw, like, butter on top of it and stuff like that. Yeah, and, but that's what we pay Ruth Chris a lot of money to do that. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, but, you know, he was still eating the bun and still eating other things. And he had a cigar every day and he would he would drink, you know, a couple times a week and stuff like that. And all things that you would consider like, hey, like those probably aren't great ideas. But it was really when his activity changed is when he probably needed to to uh, to make some different changes. But, yeah, I find it I find it fascinating that when I when I look at people and I see when people are unhealthy and they communicate to me that they have these problems. It almost always seems to be based in, under the same thing. You know, it seems to be based under like just there's no other way to really just put it. It just seems to be based under over uh, overeating just uh, over, or, or, over. or under under activity. I mean, you're, you're right. 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 There's a lot of people who say, do we get old because we become inactive or do we become inactive because we get old? And I think we get old because we become inactive because if you there's people out there who are 60 and 70 years old and they're in constant motion all day long. And they they do better than the guy or gal who sits all the time. There's no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, a hundred a hundred percent. And I, I think it just whatever whatever way you know. I don't know what diet you promote particularly. I'm sure you're probably a more low carb guy, but whatever diet anyone wants to grasp onto, it, whatever way you can figure out not to overeat all the time, that's going to be that's going to be the best option for now. And we might find out more information on other things, but I've kind of yet to see it. Like I, I don't, there's not really low carb people at the moment living to be 120. There's, there's not an exponential percentage that we're seeing people live longer. However, uh, you could maybe make an argument that people might be living better. Yes. And we might start to see that. We might, mark, might, might start to see more of that because I don't think that Americans uh, live longer than they did 20 years ago. I think they die longer than they used to. That's exactly right. Because we, when we went to Ireland, Elisa and I, we walked around cemeteries purposely because I wanted to see, were there 80-year-old people back in the 1500s? There were. Uh, you know, right, you, you, right, either, right. you either died young. Th- that's why it frustrates me when people on the news go, well, we're living longer. We're not living longer. If we were living longer, we'd be at 120 and 130. We've always lived into our eighth and ninth decade of life in the 13, 14, and 1500s. Now, of course, we don't have uh, infectious disease killing us when we're nine and 12, but the reality is we're not living longer. And if anything, today, we spend the last 30 years of our life in a diaper facing a wall waiting for somebody to change a channel on the TV set in, in the nursing home. So you're right. The answer is not necessarily to live longer, but it is to have improved health span and quality of life. I have always said it on this show, and people laugh. You know, I want people to say, hey, did you hear Carl Lenore died? Yeah, he was running for the bus. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not sitting in his chair watching uh, watching reruns of Gilligan's Island. I want to be go in motion when I die. I don't want to be sitting still. So that, right. that's it. That's it. We have to take one more break, but before we do that, I neglected to thank our title sponsor at the beginning of the show because I was so excited to have Mark on the show. Uh, Legendary Foods just introduced a great snack called the Tasty Pastry. If you remember eating Pop-Tarts as a kid, uh, but now you on, Pop-Tart, I think that, that Pop-Tart is amazing. My son eats it. My son's uh, 50, 16, and uh, he hates any anything to do with health, health. and nutrition. <laughs> right. he, de- he despises, like, no way, Dad. But then he saw this Pop-Tart from Legendary Foods, and 
the box was gone, and I was pretty pissed because I'm like, dude, I didn't even get a chance to try them. <laughs> uh, so you know what I did with one, Mark? I took the legendary uh, almond uh, almond butter, the uh, apple pie almond butter, and I smeared it on one pop tart and I stuck them together. One, one ta- I made a tasty pastry sandwich with peanut butter on the inside of it. It was oh, unfriggin' real. But you can go to eatlegendary.com to learn more. They're back-ordered. They can't make them fast enough. That's how friggin' good they are. Nine grams of protein, less than one, less than one gram of, of sugar, uh, no gluten. I mean, it's an amazing, amazing dessert. If you want to try it, eatlegendary.com and let them know Carl sent you. We'll be right back, and we'll fit, wrap it up with Mark. Stay tuned. Wow, I had some dead air there. That's a no-no. <laughs> Yeah, something weird happened there. Yeah, I got ghosts in the in the, in the machine here. Anyway, um, Roger Paget says that he has uh, been doing uh, carnivore for six months, and it suits him. And he's sixty eight years old. You know, uh, the magic in these diets. I, I try to explain this to people. When somebody goes vegan, they go vegan like in the first couple weeks, and and even the first couple months, they're like, "Man, I feel so good. I can't understand it." And when they go keto it's the same thing and when they go carnivore it's the same thing and it's not because of what you're eating now it's because what you stopped eating what you removed from the diet and see in my humble opinion i think carnivore is probably the single best elimination diet you can go on you eat nothing but meat and eggs and fish day in and day out all of a sudden whatever your ailments were that you were trying to figure out they go away and then you slowly add things back in. Well, let's see. I used to eat this. Oh, man, I feel like crap again. That was the problem. So carnivore is an amazing uh, uh, elimination diet. Even keto is. Uh, and, and the frank truth of it is you can't live forever on a vegan diet, but you could go vegan for a couple months. It's not going to kill you. And you may actually discover what really is causing you all the problems by doing something like that. Yeah, I think, you know, um, I, I think we're going to find out more information about the positives of eating meat because I've been kind of talking about this for a while where I am a big proponent of, man, it really does matter what you don't eat. You know, like that's that's huge. If you're just if you're looking for like some general health and you just want to like feel better, I think uh, what you avoid can be really, really important. But I think if you're looking for that next level, you're looking for health and maybe even performance edge then I think what you eat, I think, is going to really matter a lot. And I think we're going to see more studies and more information on just exactly what meat is doing. And then the combinations of food that you mentioned, I, I'm highly interested in that. But I also think that, like, when you see these comparisons, there's, like, health coach Kate or something like that on Instagram. And she posts, you know, a picture of kale versus a picture of meat. And it shows, like, the percentage of vitamins that you're actually able to absorb from the meat being like through the roof in comparison to what you can get from the kale. And so I find those things to be highly interesting and and maybe we'll find out more information on that. But then there's also guys like Joel Green out there who are, you know, really uh, baffling your mind because you're like, man, I don't, you know, now I don't, (laughs) now I don't know because he's, he's adding uh, so much more to the equation. So I think it's, I think we're in a good spot. And I think the truth of it is, is that no one really knows. And I also have this weird uh, belief that I don't think anything will really come of nutrition. I don't think I don't think any science or any further research that's being done in the nutrition field will happen. I think that uh, things more come from our ancestors and things uh, more come from um, kind of like more like old school like philosophy and epistemology and like I, I think I think it has I think things come more from like physics and how the world's designed than they do from us trying to figure out whether we should eat bread or or meat or be on a vegan diet versus a carnivore diet. It's just kind of a weird hunch of mine. So after doing this show for fourteen plus years, I've come to the conclusion that as soon as somebody tells me, if I hear these words come out of somebody's mouth, this is the appropriate way for humans to eat. I, I, I completely shut down because because the reason that we have survived as long as we have is because we could probably eat anything and survive. Thriving is a completely different story. Right, but right. it's like everybody's diet is unique. What works for you may not work for me and, and what works for me may not work for my son. And so, you know, we, we have to stop this uh, this attitude like we know 
the way humans should eat because we have eaten probably shit once in a while to stay alive in our ancestry. So, you know, like it's, it's, it, it, it baffles me when people do that. The other thing is, I don't know if Darwin ever looked at this, but I sincerely believe that there are breeds of humans. Right, we can accept that German shepherds look like German shepherds, and they have certain traits. Right, and I'm not talking about race. I'm not talking about phenotypical color of skin and 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 face. I'm talking about there are there are toy dogs. They obviously have IGF one issues. We have small people. We know they have IGF one issues. Uh, we we have we have uh, people who work like we like like I come from a long line of Italian brick masons. Right, I, I'm a I'm a posterior chain baggage mule that's what i was designed for so my ancestors were were probably working group like you have working group dogs you have working group humans and i'm starting to because you know and i know that you can see somebody in a completely different city and they look exactly like somebody you know in your hometown and they're not related so i'm i'm coming to the conclusion that there are actually breeds of humans and when we start to understand this we will then be able to dial into the individuality of diet needs for different people. But this whole idea that we have to eat, oh, everybody should eat this way, that's nonsense. When people say that, like Joel loves to say baby talk, this is good, this is bad. It's like as soon as somebody says that to me, I, I walk away. I'm like, look, dude, maybe 14 years ago when I first started doing this, I've had to go back and correct myself so many times where I thought I knew something. I was like, oh, shit, I didn't know anything. Yeah, and I think we also have to factor in interest. Like maybe you just don't like meat that much. So maybe you're not that interested in it. And I think when we talk about, you know, what works for you, uh, we have to factor in um, your environment. We have to factor in like your lifestyle. We have to factor in the things you're interested in. You know, the single greatest marker of success is to be able to problem solve. You know, being able to problem solve brings happiness. Being, Being able to problem solve uh, is is really what knowledge and everything is is kind of kind of pivots off of you know, but you're not going to want to even solve a problem if you're not interested in it. So I- interest, you know, if if you're trying to teach me math, I'm not interested in math. I don't want to hear about math. So even if you have the best way to learn about math, you have failed to understand that I don't care. <laughs> right. I don't want to learn point. about math. Yeah. So if you have the best way for me to heal my heart because you have experience. Um, 14 years of having the show and then your own personal experiences, I still don't want to hear it until I'm interested in, in it. So you, you can't make me interested in it. You might be able to provide me with information that goes through my brain that I filter out and I say, okay, now he's caught my attention. That interests me because he hit it. He, you struck a chord and you said, Hey, look, you know what? You need to be around for your daughter when she graduates from college or what, whatever the situation, when she gets married or whatever it is. And, and that's the only way you can. You, so that's really all we're trying to do is we're trying to provide enough knowledge to provide enough interest to people so that they can have. But let's just let's just uh, leave it at this and say, why not have a bunch of different options with your diet so that you can because I've done a lot of different diets and I've had a lot of great success with them. Even right. over the last six years, I've gone from 330 down to 230. And it's been awesome. I used a paleo diet, and that worked. I used a bodybuilding style diet, and that worked. I used Stan Efferding's vertical diet, and that worked. I used a keto diet for a long time, and that worked. It just happened to be that I was interested in those different things at those different times, and it aligned with my goals. Even when I wanted to be fat, even when I wanted to be big, that aligned with my interest and my goals at the time. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get as big and as strong as I possibly can. I weighed 330 pounds. I squatted 1,080, benched 854, and deadlifted 766 and made all my hopes and dreams come true because that's where my interest was at that time. The only thing I want to ask you to consider watching since you're on the the Mediterranean diet is is get your your ferritin and TIBC, total iron binding capacity of your blood, tested regularly. This is something that Ron Penna and I, if, if there's one thing that he and I talk about most often and text most often about, it's this phenomenon. I believe that iron accumulation is the root of what we consider aging. When we look at aging and we look at deterioration of soft tissue and discs and spine, we look at uh, changes in gut function and organ function, we look at uh, breaking down the nervous system, 
it it can actually there's so many individual studies that show that these are all a function of iron accumulation. And when you look at men and women, premenopausal women, they bleed once a month. They don't have the iron problems that men do. Men accumulate an average of 100 points in ferritin for every 10 years of their lives. And Mm. once you're 50 years old, you've got so much iron in you. You you and I have a hamburger in us that we ate as (laughs) kids. The iron is still in us. We don't have a system to get rid of iron. Okay? And so the only thing I'd ask you is to keep an eye on your iron, and you'll thank me 30 years from now. Wow, man. You know, I have aged so much better. That's the only reason, in my humble opinion, okay, methionine is one of them, but vegans do well because they don't have any iron in their diet. That's why they seem to, to age a little bit better than, than omnivores. If you keep uh, donate blood once every couple months, then I get into arguments. We go, oh, TRT and hematocrit. No, don't do it for that. Do it to get rid of the iron. You know, I, I've heard, and I don't know how true this is. Maybe you have heard this, or maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard that dairy... Um, can help kind of downregulate the absorption. Lactoferrin, of lactoferrin. It's got to have lactoferrin in it. It's got to. Okay. And there's so actually like raw, there's actually raw. there's actually a protein manufacturer in your state who has raw unpasteurized dairy protein powder that has that is fifty percent lactoferrin. Oh, and wow. Ron, Ron knows about them. Ask him. I've been waiting for somebody to come out with a protein product, but it's very expensive, and no one will mm. see the value unless they understand the value of iron. But there are other things that help uh, keep iron from being absorbed. Green tea. If you drink green tea with your meal, you get you you won't absorb as much iron. There's other things too. Joel probably knows better than than anybody. <laughs> if you ask Joel, like Joel, I don't want to absorb the iron in my food. What should I uh, have with my food? He, he'll tell you. But there are that ways to do that. <laughs> yeah, Joel's insane. So anyway, I'm going to put the uh, Mind Bullet back up one more time to tell people to go there, mindbullet.com, for the best Kratom around. I just went there. To, uh, the prices are amazing. I mean, compared to what I pay for Kratom here, uh, it, that, those are great prices. And, you don't, great. And, and if you get nauseous from it, back your dose down. That's what I learned. I took four grams one time, and I was like so sick I couldn't go anywhere. I back it down to two grams. Yeah. I feel great. That's it. Yeah, or try, to, or try to have it with maybe a small amount of food. It, it's going to feel best on an empty stomach, but yeah. maybe have a small amount of food with it if it's going to bug your stomach. I just want to finish off by saying, you know, first of all, I'm super appreciative of being on your show and oh. appreciative of you uh, grinding it out and doing the show for so long. I listen to your show quite a bit. Uh, anytime I talk to Ron Penna, he always brings you up. We, we talk about your show, and uh, it's fantastic that you're – so open-minded and you're diving down all these crazy uh, rabbit holes that maybe no one else thinks they're going to come back up out of. <laughs> so they don't want to do it themselves. So uh, much, much appreciated. And then lastly, I just want to say that, you know, I started, you know, losing weight uh, probably about eight years ago or so. And I started walking around that same time. And uh, I just kept moving and I kept on the diet, like just hang in there. You know, the people listening to this just, just do your best. Uh, there is no failure. It's all just kind of part of your journey. It's part of what you're doing. Um, if you get off base, it's okay because I personally believe that there's no better way to lose weight than to do so in stages. I don't think it makes any sense to lose uh, like three pounds or five pounds every single week forever. That doesn't really I've, – I've never even really seen anybody do that before. My own personal journey and story, you know, I would lose 10, maybe 15 and then I'd stop, I'd lose 10 and 15 because I'd go off the diet a little bit. I'd cheat a little bit. Maybe I gained a couple back. But just know that the journey is going to take a really long time. Don't try to be too fancy. Uh, don't try to even work too hard because if you work too hard, it's going to slingshot you or rebound you back the other way, back the other direction that much harder. Your old habits will really rear their ugly head. So take your time with it. Don't be fancy. Try to be consistent. And then lastly, as I switched to the carnivore diet, and I don't think it's coincidental, my walking just all of a sudden turned into running. I was just walking one day, and I felt pretty good. And I'm like, you know what? I think I can run. I'm just going to run from here to home. And, uh, you know, being a 330-pound powerlifter, I, I would have never thought that would be possible for me. So this diet has has done tremendous things for me. And I, I, I'm not trying to sell anybody on anything. I, I'm not trying to... There's not a product behind this carnivore diet or carnivore mission for me. I just 
would love more people to be exposed to it and for more people to give it a try. My aunt uh, has lost 20 pounds. My cousin has lost 30 pounds. My brother uh, has a crazy transformation, one of the better transformations I've ever seen off of drugs, off of alcohol. And I think that part of it has to do with Kratom. I think part of it has to do with the carnivore diet. Um, and just the, all the followers and all the people that are, are paying attention to my stuff, we're just hearing these crazy, crazy testimonials all the time. If you're somebody that really struggles with diet, I think that this diet uh, could be the one that, that really makes the change. I know it sounds crazy, uh, but if it changes your life and improves your life, then it's really not that crazy in the long run. Those are all fantastic points. And we should have a, we should have a Kratom carnivore cruise. <laughs> where everybody that signs up for the cruise gets Kratom, we eat steaks, and we, we, we go out to uh, Cabo San Lucas or something like that. So there you go. Kratom, carnivore, and the coronavirus. Yeah, and the coronavirus. No, just a good corona. <laughs> Mark, thanks for being here, brother. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, and we will see everybody tomorrow with more Superhuman Radio. Thank you for watching and listening today.